baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Okay, here we go. It's uh, a Monday. Lots to talk about today. We've got a lot, full guest load today, including uh, our friend Jason DeRussia, the afternoon uh, host, will be joining me. I got a wine question about something I saw this weekend. And that's why we're bringing uh, Jason into the fold. Pete Najarian. Pete is back on the show today. We're going to be talking about uh, Vikings, obviously, with him. Also, paying college athletes and the kind of how that has changed the game, and certainly I don't think for the better. Uh, but let's start with the Vikings. I'm changing it up. I was going to talk about loneliness. We can get to that anytime. But I want to talk about this Viking game. Because mercifully, yesterday, like, I had a, a swimming banquet. And let me tell you something. A high school swimming banquet banquet was much more enjoyable than that Viking game. I mean, if you needed an excuse not to watch the Vikings yesterday, that game was it. And my question for you is this. If you were in Las Vegas, is it Allegiant Stadium? Is that what whoa, 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 Floyd. I absolutely would not. Well, that guy would not. Sorry, I was looking up the stats of the oh. Vikings game. <laughs> <laughs> that guy said, I absolutely would not look up the stats. Good timing. Is it Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas? Is that that big behemoth? Is that what it is? Mark, you don't know that? It is Allegiant. Allegiant Stadium. I believe. Uh, yep, it is. Budget airline, and it's a stadium. But anyway, would you have stayed at that game yesterday if you were, or would you have left the game? You're in Las Vegas. Would you have stayed at the game? I mean, if I traveled to go to that game, I'd have to, just because it's so freaking expensive to get to those games. True. Like, the tickets, the stay in Vegas, like, you have to stay there. But the the bad part would be the the only points are in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. Yeah? <laughs> oh, my God. No. I'd stay. You would have stayed? $15 beers. Uh, Vanilla beers. Thunder here. Uh, Dave Josephson, uh, <laughs> would you have stayed at the game yesterday? Uh, yes, I would have stayed at the game. Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm Oof. leaving. I mean, I, I think you're. I would have stayed at the game, but I think you're cheering for I a zero-zero tie. You, yes. I mean, halfway through you the third quarter, the history, right? you go, right. "All right, like who, who, this Miss Vikings team's goal. going nowhere." I want it to be zero-zero all the way. Yeah. Uh, what an, we'll break down the game with Pete. Um, but if you needed any other evidence that Kirk Cousins. Uh, was is, is of extreme import to the uh, Minnesota Vikings and his talents, which many people uh, like to criticize uh, that you know at certain points in his career. But that was evident yesterday with that game because the Josh Dobbs uh, phenomenon. And I think if any of us would have taken a deep breath when he looked great in those first couple of games, like oh my gosh, this guy could be the real deal. There's a reason he played for seven different football teams. Might be a great guy. He seems to be a great guy. Right. But uh, clearly the Chicago Bears uh, figured out how to stop him, and then the uh, Vegas Raiders took a page out of that book. But the guy over on the other side of the field, oof. (laughs) And did they bench Jimmy Garoppolo? 
Well, you know who's just sitting back loving this? Well, probably not, but maybe Kirk Cousins, because people right. came out and said, oh, Josh Dobbs is the replacement for Cousins, and now Kirk Cousins just was like, all right, yeah. if that's what you want. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that uh, O'Connell for the, the Raiders, he's horrible. It just shows you, man, NFL quarterbacks. It's tough to find a decent one. Right, and that's why you know you hang, you can talk to Kirk Cousins all you want. It's like you got a guy who's got talent. Hang on to him. Um, so yeah, Vikings uh, win three nothing. Yeah, we wanted the zero zero game, didn't we? Why not? Absolutely. They started going with the stats partway through the broadcast. Yeah. How long it's been since they had a scoreless first half, right. and how long it's been since the zero zero tie, Poor which is like a hundred years. Broadcasters too have to do that game. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Boy. Try to putting any kind of uh, entertainment into it. Uh, we'll take a break here. Nine thirteen on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. I'm. Uh, I've talked many times in my life about how I. I don't care for people all that much, and generally, and I mean not, I, I and I mean that in a way that I'm kind of I'm a I feel like I'm a loner, and I'm good with that, but I shouldn't be. I need to make a, more of an effort. To connect with people. I'm admitting this right now. Because we as a society, I think, are failing. And we continue to fail at making connections. And it's hurting our society. Every time we look around, we always talk about what? God, just life, man. It's just brutal. There's just so much negativity. We're doing it to ourselves. I'm going to get into that next. It's 914 on WCCO. We fail as a society in being neighbors. And you might be someone listening right now saying, you're not talking about me. I go to my, talk to my neighbors all the time. I go to church. I'm in groups. That's the exception. And I, t- I look at myself. I'm, the reason I'm talking about this, there's a uh, op-ed in the Star Tribune this morning written by uh, Seth Kaplan, who is a Johns Hopkins University professor. And he's written a book called Fragile Neighborhoods, Repairing American Society, One Zip Code at a Time. And he wrote this, uh, actually it was in the Los Angeles Times, uh, published by the Star Tribune as well. Uh, our growing social disconnection and isolation have become a public health crisis harming childhood development, contributing to more deaths of despair, and exacerbating polarization and mistrust. Full stop right there. Let that sink in, and he's exactly right. And the the more expansive that social media becomes, the further, I think, we retreat from actual human connection. And... Yes, the pandemic, of course, played a role in this, but it it was on its way. It's not like that was sudden. We were on our way to that kind of society before the pandemic hit, and it just pushed us further into our isolation. And you could say, well, I'm not isolated. I have my family. I have friends I see. But beyond that, I mean, and I'm speaking of myself. Like I have a next-door neighbor who I talked to quite a bit, but he moved. And now there's a new next-door neighbor. And when they moved in, I went over there, Jen and I went over, said hi. And sure, if they're outside and I'm outside, it's like, hey, how's it going? 
But beyond that, I'll admit it, I fail in connecting with my neighbors, even though I feel like that's comfortable for me. It's like, "Ah, I'm not that kind of guy. But I should be that kind of guy. Because exactly what this paper, what this article is pointing out is that we failed to do that with our neighbors. We failed to reach out and we become isolated. And we don't know, like, what our neighbors next door or even a block away or even the people at church, what they truly feel like. And Dave, like you're like the polar opposite of me when it comes to this. And I appreciate that about you is you are somebody who makes connections with people and you're eager to do that. And I think that is the way to be. And it doesn't mean that you have to like everybody you meet or you, it's just, it's making that effort and making those connections that I think as Americans, we completely are failing at. Well, I, I, I'm opposite in that I, like, I'm an extrovert. I get energy from being with people. I mm-hmm. seek out people regularly. Yep. But I, I totally identify with the difficulty of getting to know neighbors. And I think, um, yeah, it's the pandemic. It's technology. It's all these things. And, I, you know, we genuinely try to get to know our neighbors, but yet we still find ourselves yeah. failing sometimes. We just had a neighbor, a next door neighbor who moved out recently. And as they were preparing to move out, he asked me for a few, you know, can I do this or can you help move, you know, yep. load the truck and stuff. And we ended up spending more time with him in the six weeks before he moved yeah. than we had in the entire several years they lived next door. And yep. I found myself, you know, one day I'm helping him load his truck and um, his uh, spouse is his, his, uh, uh, girlfriends hanging out with my kids yep. in the backyard. And I go, this would have been great. Why weren't why we doing we this, this on like right. random Saturdays before, but we just didn't. Yes. I don't know. You go about your life and yep. you don't think about it. And that's it too. It's like in my neighborhood too, like we're kind of on the older end of people who live in our neighborhood. It's younger. They're younger families than us with younger kids. And I see those families making that connection. So absolutely it has to do with the demographics, similar demographics, but Here's a great example. So uh, Jordana's off today, but she had a party last night. Mm-hmm. And she invited both of us. And I eagerly accepted, yeah, but, but, you know, I've, that's a connection that I, I want to continue. I mean, she's a coworker, mm-hmm. we're co-hosts, and she extended an invite to me. So I said yes. But so Sunday last night comes around. I had that swimming banquet for my daughter. And Jen was at uh, hockey all day. Her son's playing hockey. So we get back at 6, and both of us are just, like, exhausted. And the last thing I wanted to do, it's like, (laughs) I really don't want to have to. And it's not that I didn't want to see Jordana or you or anybody else, but it was having to drive there Mm -hmm. on a Sunday night. I'm thinking, oh, man, why do I have to do this? And honestly, the car ride was almost totally silent. But I got there, and I knew Jordana. I knew Mark. Her kids were there. Uh, you showed up a little bit later. Other than that, I didn't know anybody there. And there's a lot of people there. And I was totally energized by that. And not that I'm mingling, talking to everybody, but that's a perfect example of, for me at least, overcoming that resistance. Mm -hmm. And we all have those resistance. And sometimes, you know what? It's okay to stay home. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, you know what? I've had a full day or full weekend. It's not selfish. It's taking care of yourself. But also, there's those moments where, to resist that and jump in head first. Um, and that's a trick. I mean, that's, it's, it's the same with like getting a workout and it's like, you don't want to do it, but you make the decision then you feel great afterwards. It's the same kind of thing. And I'm wondering if people have little tricks like that to mm-hmm. overcome it. Six, five, one, 
461-9226. How do you overcome this push against, and it's externally and internally, to be isolated? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, like, how do you wish you could be as a neighbor in your neighborhood? Because the reality is you're not going to get, you know, you got invited to drive 25 minutes across town and go to this party. Great. Your next door neighbor is probably not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's being present to little moments, I think. So how, yeah. like, how can you turn that around to actually get to know the neighbor down the right. street or next door? And this is a perfect time of year to do it. Mm-hmm. Go caroling. Bring caroling back. <laughs> Or just bake some cookies and right, bring them walk around. over to your neighbors there and hand them a fan cookies. How easy is that? That's what I'm saying. That's a, you know, will I do that? That's the big question. I don't bake very well. That's the problem. Well, you learned how to do laundry recently. I did, <laughs> right? Learn how to Maybe bake. I'll some do cookies. my neighbor's laundry. <laughs> so six five one four six one nine two two six. I need some exceptions to the rules here because, and I was talking about this. Our homes now, like modern homes, are built uh, to. Be anti-neighborly. And I say that because everything, like in the houses in our development, everything is in the back. Like Mm -hmm. you you enter the house in the front, but there's like no focus on the front of the house. It's all in the back. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, our backyard looks great because we hang out there maybe with friends and family. But it's like the front. I mean, that's where Mm -hmm. you should be, the focus on the front. Hey, who's out walking around? Like, hey, there's John, our neighbor. Um, So I think... Our society is constructed yeah. to make us less yeah. and less neighborly. Well, and I mean, obviously, technology is a factor in this. And, you know, you can say, oh, you can connect on Zoom and gaming and Not all this stuff. Not even close instead to of, being the same. Uh, yeah. But also, even like if I'm outside, if I'm mowing the grass or going on a walk or sitting on my deck, let's face it, a lot of times you're still connected to technology. You've got the radio on. You've got your phone in front of you. Even when you're outside in your own neighborhood, you're still distracted by the technology in your hand. Yeah, and that, and I would argue that yes, yeah, social media is exacerbated that. Yes, because and here's another aspect of social media too that is that has changed the way we interact because it's like you know, like when Facebook became what what a, you know when you get on Facebook, so oh, I'm connecting with people that I haven't connected with in years, and then you suddenly then they post something, you're like, wow. That's how they view things. Then you suddenly are automatically discounting that person as being mm-hmm. a friend or having any kind of connection with the person. That's, yeah, you know, that is aid, a, aided to the isolation. Uh, some of the texts coming in, 651-461-9226. Our neighborhood in Plymouth is the exception. We all get along, spend time together around bonfires and uh, and night to unite. But the main reason was um, uh, one neighbor in particular, and sadly she passed away from cancer at 53, had her funeral on Saturday, and what a lovely tribute, and all the neighbors were there. I pray we keep our closeness in her honor. What a great text, and especially what we're talking about today, uh, how timely that is. Um, that is it, too. It's like often it takes one person, you know, it's like the, the person who becomes the glue uh, keeping a community together. And you could be that person. I could be that person. Eh, I don't know if I could be that person. You never know, though. It's hard though. I mean, we have uh, we have tried to like get the neighborhood night out thing going in our neighborhood, which has been up for sure a mixed bag. We've had yeah. a few good gatherings and a few that have flopped and yep. things. But there's neighbors on our block that we've um, gone to their door with an invite for neighbor night out, mm-hmm. you know, seven times, and they never show up. Either never answer the door, or never show up. Oh yeah, no, no response at all. And I, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. You know. 
Uh, another texture. That was the magic of cities in the Industrial Revolution. People who wanted the connection of people, energy could readily access it. Here in old St. Paul, we have front porches, a front porch, great technology. Um, so think of life before the Industrial Revolution. Most people lived in rural farms or towns, de facto, less connected, less frequently, but regularly scheduled town meetings, city events, church, etc. I'm open to this idea. We, I'm open to this idea. We are all newly isolated, but would need more convincing. Own a dog. Meet a lot of people walking your dog. Yeah. I love people, but I just can't just seem to finish a whole one anymore. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> you get when you read them uh, right. But that... That's it. It's, and again, I think it, society pushes us to more and more just kind of be isolated. Whether, and whether it's social media or just media in general. I mean, we've got TVs now. You've got so many thousands of options, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of options on your TV to stream different things. And we're moving away from that human connection. And... It makes you think of the, you know, you hear the stats about how much screen time and how much phone time we all have, mm-hmm. right? Like we are glued into our phone for X right. amount of hours every day. If you stop and think, those are all hours that we are not face-to-face with mm-hmm. a real person, whether it's our spouse or our family or our neighbor, whatever yep. it is. Like all of those hours are hours you could have been chatting with your neighbor mm-hmm. or, or maybe, in, you know, 50 years ago you were chatting with your neighbor. Yep. And now you're glued to your phone. This is easy. Just have a party. No one does this because they think their house is not clean enough. Who cares? Everyone loves a party. Summer, backyard, or driveway. Uh, That's true. It doesn't have to, you know, just throw a party. Have the neighbors over. I wonder if I convince my wife to do this because she's kind of in the same boat that I am. We like people, but we kind of like our people. (laughs) And we don't – and that's – and I don't mean that to sound like we're – Arrogators, closed-minded. It's just that the energy we have is limited, but we absolutely, if nothing else, need to learn to make that time and to make more connections. Um, maybe that's a, a goal for 2024. I'll add that to the list along with appearing in some sort of play. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're gonna. I mean, you're we'll gonna get a list together and we'll see be what an I actor can in a play this that's year. Right. We'll yeah. see what I can accomplish. Uh, speaking of play, speaking of TV, speaking of movies, uh, the Golden Globe uh, nominations out today, and I realize that there's some really good movies on the list, and I haven't seen hardly any of them. Even though I said when they came out, ah, I got to see this. Uh, Tim Lammers joins us on Fridays, but we're going to talk to Tim in the next segment uh, to talk about any surprises or what he thinks about some of these Golden Globe nominations. Tim Lammers next on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, end of the year means award season, and uh, the nominations coming out, including today, Golden Globes. Of course, that covers both television and cinema. 
And perfect time to bring Tim Lammers back into the conversation. Tim usually joins us on Fridays, as he did last Friday, but we thought we'd reach out, talk to Tim today. Uh, Looking at these nominations, Tim, uh, for the Golden Globes, anything really stand out to you or any any surprises uh, on this list this morning? Well, good morning, Adam. Not really. I mean, when you consider Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, and uh, Barbie are mentioned often in all the major categories. I think the big story would have been uh, if any of those categories, if those films were snubbed in any sort of way. Um, But not really. I I guess the interesting thing is when you look at the best motion picture drama, you have Oppenheimer, you have Killers of the Flower Moon, and Maestro, which is Bradley Cooper's picture, um, but then you have films like Past Lives, The Zone of Interest, and Anatomy of, of a Fall, which probably not a lot of people have heard right. and you, you heard of, excuse me. And then, you know, missing are films like Napoleon, right. which, you know, maybe is this an indicator of the way things are going to turn out with the Oscars? Probably not. I mean, it, the award season can be really tricky and there are always surprises. So, uh, the other thing is, is that th- those three films that I mentioned, they're, they're smaller independent films, and a couple of them are foreign films. And you have to remember, this is uh, the, the, the Golden Globes. It's, it's the Association of Foreign Journalists that vote on this. So mm-hmm. it would be strange, I guess, if you didn't get some films you know, from overseas in this thing. It, and this, you know... The, the list that you read there and the list I'm looking at, yeah, they go in order of per, pretty much the ones that I've heard of uh, fading away to the ones that I haven't heard of. But I'll say, <laughs> yeah. but to, and I don't know if this is the, for me at least, and how I like to, movies that I like to see and movies of, of interest to me, this has been a, and I say that having, all these movies have come out and said, I got to go see it. I got to go see that. I have yet to act on any of those, but I still, mm-hmm. I look at these movies like these are big uh, big production, big Hollywood type movies that are uh, hold interest to me, and I think it seems like this year there have been a lot of more blockbuster type movies that are reflected in these nominations. Yeah, I mean certainly with Barbie. I mean, whoever thought that that would have been a billion dollar movie it's great and that's the great unpredictable part of the business i mean something hits i don't use this word often adam because it makes me sound kind of pretentious (laughs) but it hit the zeitgeist (laughs) it really did and um you know that that's again it's reflected in the nominations i mean greta gerwig is nominated for director i mean she gets a screenplay nomination along with her husband noah bombach and of course margot robbie is nominated as well and whoever would have thought at the beginning of the summer, and I think the release, the mutual release date of July, was it July 20th or 18th or something like that, for both Oppenheimer and Barbie, right. really, I think, benefited both pictures because this whole Barbenheimer thing, yes. is, look, it's free publicity. Yeah. They made T-shirts. <laughs> they had T-shirts that reflected both movies. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is, is that the amazing thing about Oppenheimer is the fact that it's a three-hour picture and still approaches almost a billion dollars uh, worldwide. That's crazy. That's really crazy. You know, on the other hand, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, you know, it, it's still in theaters. You can get it on premium video on demand. But again, you got the heavy hitters involved. You have uh, Martin Scorsese with not one, but two of his greatest collaborators in Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. 
So, you know, a lot of attention has been paid to that as well. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing about the Globes, and this is the one issue I've had with them, is this whole d- division between the motion picture drama and the motion picture musical or comedy. Right. Where you look at films like May, December, which we talked about on Friday, yep. and that's considered uh, musical or comedy. Yeah. And this has a very heavy Mary Kay Letourneau angle to it, and I don't find anything about that to be funny. So, you know, I think maybe there's some satire in there as far as the actress who tries to play this Mary Kay Letourneau um, person, uh, type, I should say. It's not Mary Kay. But it's Natalie Portman, and maybe it satirizes acting and method actors and how far they go and how ridiculous that may seem. But as far as it being a comedy, I don't know. It's, it's just very strange to see how these things shake out. Uh, which is a perfect segue to talk about uh, the television um, the nominations, because it's the same situation where you have uh, drama television series and musical or comedy television series and the bear is yeah. uh, is is up for best uh, musical or comedy when yeah i mean there yeah, it has it, its it, moments but i mean it certainly <laughs> seems like a drama to me i don't know yeah and you know it really it, it's up to the studios to decide how they are going to uh campaign these things or market these things and 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 they obviously are at this point very well aware uh, that the golden globes at least divides their categories into dramas or musical slash comedies. And yeah, it, it's a head scratcher. The bear, I mean, yes, when you look at it and you look at only murders in the building or yeah. Barry, although Barry's a very dark comedy, sure. uh, or, you know, but then there's Ted Lasso, which is a comedy as well. So yeah, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and you can see too, they nominate a lot of people for these awards. I mean, you got, it used to be five apiece. Now it's six. Uh, actors and, and directors and, and supporting actors, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think that basically they just want to invite everybody they can to the party because this is supposed to be a party after all, right. after they've recovered from the scandal of the last couple yes. of years. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's hard to forget that. Uh, the, and, but the, it would have been interesting to see the bear in the drama category going up against succession because for me, those are the two best series of, of, of the year, uh, those two series. Reflected, too, in Succession, where you've got three nominations, both Kieran Culkin, Jeremy Strong, and Brian Cox, all nominated for Best Performance <laughs> yeah. by an Actor, uh, and rightly so. It's hard to pick which one was the best. Sometimes I think there's a showdown, and the studios know it's going to be a showdown, so one of them blinks, and they say, well, you know, we and honestly, I do believe this, Adam, we'll have a better shot at winning something if we're in this category yep. as opposed to this category. And you see it all the time, at least with the Oscars, where it may appear to be a leading performance, but the studio knows that their actor or actress who they're running in supporting might have a better chance of winning in that category. So, yeah, it's all about strategy because what these awards do is that they bring uh, a lot of publicity. I mean, you know, yes, it's prestige and all that, too, to tack on that little thing on the, well, we don't have DVDs anymore, do we? (laughs) 
<laughs> but remember when you'd go to grab a Blu-ray or a DVD or a VHS tape, <laughs> and on the box, you know, it says Golden Globe winner or Oscar winner or right. whatever, people in their mind thinking, well, this must be pretty good. So, yeah, it's, it's a, a great marketing thing, and again, it's also about publicity. Do those award, do they still carry the same weight that they used to, Tim, do you think? Because you're right. Like, you know, you'd go, oh, this is the Oscar-winning movie. Got to watch this, or this is a nominated. You know, you look for the little, uh, the, the awards on the actual box of the movie. Do they still hold the same weight, you think? Uh, I, I really don't think so. I mean, you know, I think if there's been anything that's been consistent with the awards and um, with, with the general public is there's always this disconnect. The, you know, the, it seems like the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press or the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, they will tend to go, at least in award season, for more of the artsy stuff, mm-hmm. which a lot of people really haven't seen. So if somebody wins that you've never heard of, I don't know how that possibly could have an impact. Now, Having said that, I also believe that there are a lot of great smaller pictures out there that would never get the time of day unless they get these nominations. And that's a great way of getting those titles in the public eye where people would otherwise miss them. So I think it's it's a kind of a hit and miss sort of thing. I think sometimes Hollywood thinks they're smarter than we are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they come up, well, this is high art and this is what you should be watching where it's like, you know what? I, I, I don't care. Just give me the next Avengers picture or whatever. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, I remember I used to get so excited about watching these things on TV and, and that excitement isn't so much there anymore, but maybe it's because I'm part of this industry too. Yeah. And uh, we've got critics choice awards coming out tomorrow. You vote on that one, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. And, you know, it's amazing how barraged you get with movies. Uh, Fortunately, I only belong to one of the branches. I technically probably could belong to both of them, but Mm -hmm. I I struggle to find enough time to get all the movie stuff in. But the nice part about that is, too, is that you get to see a lot of these films way in advance. You know, you're seeing pictures that might not be coming out, you know, released wide until January or so, and, you know, I've already seen them. So that's, that's the nice part about it. So I'm not going to complain. <laughs> right. Uh, so Tim, uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you on Friday. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, if there's any big surprises with the Critics' Choice Awards, if I need to gripe about something not getting nominated that I voted for, I'll certainly tell you then. Yeah, the phone lines are always open for you, sir. Thank you. Have a great week, sir. All right, have a great day. Yep. See ya. Tim Lammers. I usually talk to him uh, on Fridays, but we thought we'd uh, jump on on the Golden Globes. Yeah, the TV one for me, and too, like if you look at some of the uh, best actor, uh, supporting actor in television, uh, you've got Alan Ruck, from Succession, Alexander Skarsgård, who was great in the final season of Succession, and then uh, Eben Moss Bachrock, who was um, uh, in The Bear, who was fantastic in that show as Richie. Uh, that'll be a tough category. 947 on News Talk 830 WCCO. When we come back, a little tease, because this week we're giving away tickets all week for a big show. What is it? Find out next on CCO. 9.52, that is your Lindus Construction time check. Time to get 75% off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. Hit the post there. How about that? Wow. It's like a DJ. What song is this? I don't know, but it's Chris Stapleton. I know that. Sure is. And this there's is... A, 
What what is it? You should probably leave. One of his bigger hits. You should right now. probably leave. I love Chris Stapleton, and I hope you do too because you found the right radio show. If you did, because all week long, my friends, we will be giving away tickets to Chris Stapleton's All American Road Show at U.S. Bank Stadium next April sixth. Very good day for me, by the way. April sixth. Um, is that your birthday? No, it's just a, it's a special day for myself and my wife. I'll just say that. Okay, not going to share anymore. It's a, it's we have like numerous anniversaries. Oh, like okay. we actually have our wedding anniversary, which is May first. But we started dating when we were in high school on April sixth. That's why that's a ah special okay day. okay. So now you well, know. That's fun there. Uh, but anyway, so here's how we're going to do this. Uh, not right now. But when we decide to give away the tickets, I'll make I'll make a call for callers, and we're going to get three callers on the line. Correct? Yeah, we'll line up three. Line callers. up three. Mm-hmm. Actually, we'll line up. I guess we'll just line them all up. And if we get that far, oh, because we don't we we shouldn't need to go past three. I'll yes. put it that way. Yes. Because here's why: we're going to uh, read some lyrics mm-hmm. from a song, and all you have to do is tell us if that. Those lyrics are from a song by Chris Stapleton or his other guests on the All-American Road Show, which are, by the way, Lainey Wilson, supremely talented yes. country music singer, and Marcus King, who's the underrated uh, X Factor in this. Because Marcus King, if you have not heard of Marcus King, uh, very uh, southern rock, blues rock, great guitarist, great voice. Uh, he's actually... I love Chris Stapleton, but I think Marcus King might be the highlight for me of uh, that trio. So anyway, we're going to read the lyrics, and all you have to do is tell us if that those lyrics are from a Chris Stapleton song, a Laney Wilson song, or a Marcus King song. Again, not right now. We'll call uh, later in the show. So keep listening, and uh, you'll have a chance to win Chris Stapleton All-American Roadshow tickets next April at U.S. Bank Stadium. And we'll be giving away those tickets all week long uh my thanks to tim and uh, talking about some of these movies that are nominated for the golden globes at least in the best picture drama category like oppenheimer the two that i really want to see are oppenheimer and killers of the flower moon and both those movies i think are extremely long and somebody was uh, my friend uh, bob meyer uh chiming in on twitter saying that he just doesn't have the interest in seeing these movies in theaters, look forward to watching them at home, because then you can hit pause, especially if a movie's like three hours long. Like you say this all the time about, that's, that's... It's too long. It's too long, it's too long for, for one sitting. sitting. And here's the deal, I was thinking about this. One of my favorite um, genres, not the right word, but ways to watch is, is miniseries yeah. right now, where we have these oh, really sure. fantastic, Netflix yep. has a lot of them. That could be movies, but they, they, could be movies, but they split them up right. and they're... 40, 50-minute episodes. And three of them. Three episodes. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically, it's a three-plus-hour movie divided into yeah. pieces. And for me, I would do the same thing. If I'm going to watch Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, I've Oppenheimer. heard of Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to wait till it's on streaming, and I'm going to make it into a miniseries. I'm going to watch an hour right. tonight, 45 minutes tomorrow, and finish it up the next mm-hmm. day or something like that. Because I'm not, I can't sit for three and a half hours. No, but there is something to be said for, like, seeing those movies in the theater, though. I just... Like especially some of these, then make it two hours. Yeah, I agree, but it's yep. too long. Too long. Yeah, maybe you're just too old. What does that make you? That's, I'm even older. <laughs>
Uh, so, yeah, uh, you can uh, view uh, those Golden Globe nominations uh, online there, uh, also for TV. And our thanks to Tim uh, for uh, taking us through those nominations. Lots coming up, including uh, next hour, Pete Najarian is going to join us, talk about yesterday's Viking game, 3 uh, By the way, the Wild also winning 3 nothing, And very funny on social media, the Vikings giving the old fist bump socially to the wild for having a three nothing score we'll break that down i want to talk to pete too about paying college athletes because i think we're going in the wrong direction there uh that's coming up next hour but uh before that is quick takes dj uh what do you got lined up um a fisherman uh well let's just say some ice fishermen are a little a little too eager to get out on the ice always happens this weekend also is the postal service lagging this holiday season. We'll talk oh. about both of those in Quick Takes. Quick Takes coming up after CBS and local news. Stay tuned. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 